Hey, it's Andrew. Miles is here too. How's it going, Miles? It's going good, Andrew. So as we've been covering COVID-19 and doing all this kind of stuff, we've been trying to keep the ads out of the podcast. But one thing that we did want to mention is that if you want to support local journalism, if you want to support what we're doing here, if these updates have been useful for you, one thing that you can do to help us out right now is to buy something from our shop. We have a really cool shop at doorcountypulse.com slash shop. And there's a lot of really cool stuff on there. Yeah, we have great posters from our art director, Ryan Miller of the Door County state parks we have posters of the door county lighthouses the two volume door county living in pictures books and a lot of other great stuff even stickers like if you buy a sticker all of those purchases go to help support this podcast and the work we do each week with the peninsula pulse sending the news out to every mailbox in the county and we can do all that for free when you do that you're supporting the work we're doing here and the weekly edition of the Peninsula Pulse. Once again, that is doorcountypulse.com slash shop. Thank you for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. Hello and welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Andrew Clyden and I'm joined as always by Miles Danhausen. How's it going, Miles? It's going pretty good, Andrew. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Today was a sad day for me and my wife, my wife especially. Bernie Sanders dropped out of the race and she has been campaigning for Bernie for five years now. So it was tough on her to see the news finally come down, but not something that was super unexpected if you've been following the race for the past couple months. Yeah, I'm surprised he stayed in as long as he did, but I guess that gives us some clarity on the presidential race moving forward. I mean, it's clearly going to be, I mean, not that it wasn't pretty clear already, but solidly going to be Joe Biden uh, taking on Donald Trump for the presidency. And I don't know if they're going to continue to campaign from Joe Biden's bunker and just from the White House, or if we're actually going to see a presidential campaign. I honestly wouldn't mind it if they both just stayed home and (laughs) didn't have to do it. Yeah. We just have a couple things to talk about today. Uh, You've been on the phone with a, a few people this week, and we've got some interviews that we're going to plug in here to the podcast shortly, but I just want to give a quick intro to both of them uh, after we talk just kind of briefly about the the numbers in Wisconsin. Still seeing the same rise, nothing to really note about that. Uh, still sitting at seven cases in Door County, so pretty much business as usual as this has been going up. We are close to approaching 100 deaths. Um, as we talk about the numbers, it, it's kind of easy to disassociate, but it, it's always good to kind of realign yourself and remember that these are people that we're talking about and there's actual human life at stake with all of these things. So even on a day where it's, you know, quote unquote, business as usual, the numbers are still going up. I don't want to try to take away from that or desensitize myself to what we're actually talking about. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure some of our listeners uh, were pretty affected by one prominent name yesterday, John Prine, uh, the singer-songwriter, passed away from coronavirus at just 73. And then, and then in the UK, you have your prime minister. Uh, as of the last check I made, he was still in the intensive care unit, Boris Johnson, who had preached the herd immunity approach early on in this crisis and then even obviously fallen very seriously ill himself. So we're seeing it hit all all parts of the economic stratosphere, although in in Wisconsin and throughout the U.S., it does appear that it is hitting um, lower income folks harder. Uh, Not a huge surprise given the access to medical care is is lessened amongst lower income folks, especially in urban areas are often packed much more tightly together. So it's just harder to maintain that social distancing that maybe has helped others. There's actually been some interesting articles about 
kind of the, the socioeconomic divide here. Like we're obviously very lucky to be in Door County during this crisis, right? We can go for a hike. You don't see long lines for the necessities. Voting in up here was still really easy and I would say as safe as it could be given the situation, but we're part of a small portion of the population that gets to experience that. Right. You know, one other thing that I wanted to just talk about before we jumped into these interviews, I'm sure there's a ton of people out there who are listening to this podcast who have been dealing with signing up for unemployment and applying, especially as this continues to go on. There's more and more people who are applying for unemployment. My situation, what I've been experiencing with Victoria trying to apply for unemployment and trying to get contact, like just reaching out to the unemployment has been pretty interesting. So there's two phone numbers and I've only gotten the toll-free number to work, but that's if it works at all. I've called probably 25 times today and gotten through once. And that's not like getting a busy signal or something like that. That's literally just the number actually working and letting me through. And then once I've gotten through, filled out the information with the robot, and then they just basically say, hey, our queue is full, and then they hang up on you. So if anybody else has been dealing with this and is frustrated or is confused on what to do, basically just keep trying the phone lines. Uh, They tell you to send in an email first or to use their form if it's a, a problem or a question that isn't like readily important. Uh, so try that first. But if you've gone a couple days waiting for a response from that and you're you're desperate to get a hold of somebody there, just keep trying those phone numbers until you finally get let through. Uh, don't be discouraged by the phone number not working. You just need to keep trying. Yeah, and I, I think it's important to know too that there are, this is unprecedented. I mean, even after the recession, uh, the oil crisis back in the 70s, the unemployment offices have never faced the kind of surge that they're facing right now in trying to dole out benefits. There are some states where people are lined up outside, I believe in Florida, they're lined up for miles because the online system just crashed. It's not in the cards to process this many. I think it's 6.6 million as of last week. I don't, I didn't see the update this week. I just, I don't even know how they handle that. Although Tammy Baldwin Uh, The senator from Wisconsin, we just received a press release from her and some of her colleagues that are pressing the president and the federal government to speed up the rate at which those checks are doled out and push them for at least the federal portion of that. So we'll see if anything comes of that. But I I don't think Wisconsin is alone and I don't think any any individual is alone right now in, in trying to wade through this. Right. So let's jump into these interviews that we have. You just got off the phone with Jeff Herbst, the artistic director at Northern Sky Theater. Uh, They just released a press release a couple minutes ago, actually, detailing their upcoming season. Uh, They're going to be canceling their outdoor season in the park, and they're going to be postponing their indoor season at their new uh, facility that they opened last year. You want to give us a little bit of a rundown of what you and Jeff talked about before we jump in? Yeah, we talked a little bit about uh, all the ramifications of that, uh, both how they got to that decision and why they felt they needed to make that call now, but also what it means for everyone in that company and all the actors that would have been coming up and just that community and what it means to the arts community in general. And then what their hopes are for still pulling off um, some shows this year and and providing a lot of entertainment for people when when we can go enjoy it again. Right. So why don't we jump into that right now? Do 
Joining me now is Jeff Herbst of Northern Sky Theater to talk about not what we'd like to talk about right now, but a big announcement from Northern Sky that uh, you will be canceling your summer season, outdoor season in Peninsula State Park this year. Jeff, what can you tell me about this decision, what it means, and well, how you guys got here? Sure. Um, we played out a bunch of different scenarios, including a delayed start in, in the park with uh, the outdoor portion of our programming, and then a delayed part uh, for the indoor portion. And the further you start to push this down the line, uh, the more um, unfeasible it becomes from a lot of different standpoints, especially the outdoor portion, because we have to we have to marshal so many resources, including human resources. That includes 270 volunteers and includes 60 people from all over the country coming in to make that park season happen. Um, and not knowing when anything can happen, it makes it tough to, uh, you know, to coordinate all of those logistics and then also to feel that you're doing the responsible thing financially for the organization. So it was really kind of a two-pronged thing that drove our decision to make this, you know, to, to make this call now rather than later. And to focus then on salvaging whatever we can, which again is still a big if, uh, mm-hmm. around the indoor season. And the silver lining, if there is any, is that we do have the Gould now, the brand new space that we just opened up last fall, which is completely in our control. And the other thing that I, I think a lot of people do know, and maybe some don't, is that you know the state state park system right now is closed too to mm-hmm. any kind of activity that that would be able to, you know, to to happen. for live theater. So uh, until they give the all clear, which again is also an unknown, we would have, we would not have uh, permission to launch anything in that park. So it's just a dumb, uh, it's a whole series of dominoes that just keep falling. And the further they fall into the future, uh, the harder it it is to pick them back up and put them in place with any, um, you know, with any certainty. Yeah. And that, that uncertainty, I talked to Dr. Phil Arnold, who used to be in uh, Door County, now is out yeah, in the Seattle. Yeah, um, now he's out in the Seattle area. And so as we were talking, he mentioned like, yeah, we are, we're finally bending the curve here in the Seattle area and it's starting to feel a little bit better and not quite so uneasy, but they're still locked down for another month as of right now. So you think of that in Wisconsin, you start stretching into May and it's really hard to plan. I know as organizer of one of the organizers of the Door County Half Marathon, uh, we had to make the yeah. call to postpone a while ago. A lot of the same constraints at play. You're you're dealing with the state park. You're dealing with a lot yeah. of things you don't have any control over. It's really hard to invest the planning and the money to to put yeah. that together. Yeah. No, that's exactly right. Well, and the, you know the the other part about this is um, <laughs> even even if the curve is bent and we flatten it out and we don't have the health emergency of people, you know, needing uh, ventilators, et cetera. Nobody is saying right now that big mass social gathering is going to be permitted mm-hmm. when all of this lifts. I think the social distancing thing is just going to take a different form. And I think that, you know, these these large groups being able to gather, is that's, that's going to be down the road a little bit here until everybody feels safe. And nobody's going to feel safe unless they're given the all clear to feel safe. And I'm, I'm not hearing that yet. Right. That's you know? a great point. Like, and even if, who knows when that all clear comes, do people want to hop in planes right away? Do they want to go to big sporting events? Do they want to go to theaters? It might take a little while right. to build that up. And, and Right, right. Especially if people are still saying to them, um, you could still get it. 
you, you could take, you know, maybe the risk is low, but you could still get it. I mean, who knows? Nobody knows yet. That's, that's the whole thing, right? Yeah. What does this mean for Northern Sky Theater? Obviously, um, as a nonprofit, you do a lot of fundraising. Just last year, you opened that beautiful new facility. And this was a year that I'm sure you guys were gearing up to really show that off and, and put it to its full use. So what does this do for your plans? Do you have reserves? Do you, or does canceling this, this, this decision now just save you a lot of those financial burdens in the short term? Well, it, 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 you know, it helps with cash flow at the moment because um, like a lot of uh, seasonal organizations, you know, you need a lot of cash up front. Uh, to foot the bills until you start getting income coming in. Uh, we also count on advanced ticket sales, which we open up in March. Uh, so that gives us March, April, May, June before we have audiences to do a lot of advanced sales to get cash flow going. And uh, without advanced ticket sales, you start to you know you start to feel the crunch. Um, so it it doesn't feel financially responsible to um, explode. Your payroll and all of your, and put a whole bunch of money into resources when you have no guarantee that people are going to come see what you're going to put on. So you know that again, it, it's these dominoes that just start to fall, and you go, "Oh, that's not a responsible thing to do." Um, even if you could afford it, it would not necessarily be a responsible thing to do. But when you throw in the fact that you, you know, as a nonprofit, you're not you're not generating any any income because of this crisis um, upfront, then it becomes really difficult to to justify making any other decision. You know, and here's a question that's not necessarily geared toward Northern Sky, the organization, but more about all the people that you work with and I'm sure care a great deal about. When you have to make this decision, that's probably a, a bunch of actors and stagehands and um, sound people that are, are losing work, I'm sure, that maybe they had banked on already. I'm not sure where you are in that hiring process. What does this mean for them? And, and how are people in the acting and theater community dealing with this and, and trying to make ends meet right now? It's really tough. I mean, it's incredibly tough. And the, I spent the day yesterday after we uh, informed our senior staff, you know, our, our permanent uh, company members about our decision. Uh, I was on the phone with every single person that we uh, had extended a contract to for the for the summer involved with the park season. And, uh, you know, that turns out to be over 40 people. And I wanted to make a personal phone call to each one of them to just talk about it with them and let them know how sorry we were to have to make this decision. And, you know, to for them, you know, this was going to be their livelihood for the summer. And uh, we are a professional arts organization. And you know, we, we, we pay a living wage and people count on us for their income, you know, for the year. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's terrible and it's terrible. It's terrible all over the place. You know, it's not like I'm calling them up to say, uh, we don't have a job for you. And I know you're going to find one somewhere else. Don't worry. Right. You know, no, they're not, not right now. Not to cover it because if anybody else could be performing, we would be. So, you know, they're, they're losing, um, they're losing income and they're losing a, a job opportunity that they cannot replace with any other, hardly with anything else, really. You know, a lot of the, a lot of the artists too. They take on they take on uh, supplemental income jobs in other service industries like restaurants and you know and retail and all of those things are obviously shuttered as well. So you know, this is um yeah, this is a big blow. It's a really big blow. Yeah, and you think about as as things come back to normal, what what do people jump back into first? You on the on the bright side, you might say people are desperately going to need theater more than ever. They're def- desperately going to need entertainment more than ever. 
But if the economy doesn't bounce back right away, uh, there's all that uneasiness about, well, is that where they're going to want to spend the limited dollars they have? Um, not to put a damper on it, but like that, th- these are just all the questions that, it, especially in the arts community, that people must be grappling with. So um, it's just got to be so tough on, on anybody. Yeah, yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Uh, what, whatever financial impact this, this has, it's certainly going to affect a lot of people's personal wallets. Um, so that, that, that is going to be a, a, you know, a real interesting thing for everybody to navigate. I, I do think w- one of the things we noticed after, after, you know, the, the recession in 2008, 2009 was that, um, you're right. People still want to be entertained. People still want to get away. People still want to have a sense of normalcy in their lives. And I think that is one of the saving graces of, of Door County is that it offers people respite from everything else that can feel heavy and kind of oppressive. So I think that, you know, I think that will still continue to be the case for Door County that people, you know, they'll, they'll want to, they'll want to take refuge and um, we offer it. I think that's a good thing. Well, for a moment here, let's put all of our doubts about the season aside and say, all right, you've canceled the outdoor season. What are the things that as of right now are still in the works and still in the plans for Northern Sky Theater, assuming that life can get back to some semblance of normal? As soon as this thing lifts, and as we've already discussed, you know, nobody knows when that will be, but we are really, we are so set in a way that a lot of arts organizations can't be because they have to do a lot of uh, prep. Uh, to get something going at the Gould because our plan for this summer was to have dad season tickets uh, just reopen for our summer audience. Uh, we've only played it in the fall and that show was just going gangbusters. We were, you know, we were selling out every single performance by the end of its run last fall. And I just know there are thousands and thousands of people who are still really eager to see it. So if we can get something like going at the Gould, we could get that up. We could probably get that show back up in a couple of days and then um, if, you know, that happens, that means everything's a go. And then we would just proceed with our fall as planned, which is Naked Radio and, and if elected, um, both things that we've never obviously shown in the Gould before. And I think that there would be a, you know, a fall audience that would just be clamoring to see both of those productions. And then we'd, we would continue on from there with Home for the Holidays at Christmas time and then gear up. And probably uh, the, the plan would be to bring back uh, our world premiere that we had planned for the summer, Love Stings, for 2021, and and program from there. Um, and now with this, you know, with this shift, what we'll do is we'll start to think about um, best case scenarios and start to plan that 2021 season based off of some of these uh, other, you know, other hopefuls, if not likelihoods. Well, I I truly hope that every single one of those things comes back on the table for us, and then people get to yeah, enjoy them. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, me too. And I, if anybody has not gotten a chance to check out that theater, even though you won't have the park this summer, if if the theater, if uh, things have to move into the Spencer, Barbara and Spencer Grove Theater, it is a beautiful facility. I was there for the grand opening last summer. Um, it actually is the backdrop for our philanthropy issue that people will see out around the county right now. Just that there's a really oh, cool. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah that's wonderful. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a little gem of a place. We're just in love with it. It's just so, it feels so right for us. And it's just got our, you know, it's got Northern sky written all over it, which is really wonderful. Well, Jeff, thanks for taking a few minutes to talk to me today in the midst of all your other calls. And, um, yeah, no problem. No problem. Best of luck this summer. Thank you guys for, thank you guys for all the coverage too. I mean, it's just been great. I'm down here in Texas and every morning, you know, the pulse picks comes into my, my mailbox and I click on stuff and, 
I was so, you know, I'm, we, we happen to, you know, have a place here and I'm artistic director of a company in Door County. So we also have a place up there. I've been coming to Door County since I was a kid, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm one of these people who's just been following this whole, you know, stay, go, stay, go, <laughs> blah, you know, and we're staying. Um, but we're ever hopeful to be back up there in Door County with all of our friends and family and at our home. And I really appreciated your article about that, too. I thought it was really, um, really appropriate and, and appreciated by us. Well, thank you, Jeff. And I'm I'm glad it hit that way. I mean, I know people are scared here. They're scared everywhere. And yeah, um, yeah. Right now, we just got to keep in mind that and have empathy for the fact that everyone's scared. And it's really tough to to lay down a hard line on how you're going to judge somebody and how they're dealing with something that has rattled every aspect of their life. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, well stated. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Sure. No problem. I hope to see you soon. (laughs) Same here. Take care. Okay, bye now. Okay, we are back. So the second interview that we wanted to finish the podcast off with today, uh, you had got off the phone with Kane Gettleman from FLS Banners, and they have shifted some of their efforts into making masks for the hospital, but also for uh, the community to buy as well. Uh, Can you tell me a little bit about your conversation with Kane? Yeah. um, So Kane Gettleman owns FLS Banners, and that is one of those companies that a lot of people don't realize that type of company exists in Door County. For example, we use FLS banners to make t-shirts for our events with the Peninsula Pacers. They make banners and feather flags, a lot of different stuff with textiles. So once the the crash hit with COVID-19, obviously you don't have a lot of work to do. So they transitioned and Kane's been working day and night trying to figure out, all right, A, what can we do? What can I do to keep my employees engaged and employed? And then also, what can I do to help? So he was examining every way that he could help um, create masks and and help fill the gap in uh, PPE for hospitals and healthcare workers. And eventually he figured it out by kind of doing it bottoms up instead of top down. So he's doing a lot of cool things. And we talked about all of those in uh, a brief conversation yesterday. Great. Well, we will jump into that. I think that that will wrap us up today. Miles, thank you so much for chatting with me, and I look forward to chatting with you again tomorrow. Thank you, Andrew. All right. Joining me today on the podcast is Kane Gettleman from FLS Banners down in Sturgeon Bay. Kane, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Miles. I appreciate it. Well, this has not been a normal few weeks for any business. Your business is different than most in Door County, so tell me, what's it been like for like about the last three weeks in your line of work? So uh, just before the stay-at-home order was issued in uh, Wisconsin, we really saw business shift away. Uh, Trade shows were being closed, outdoor events, and retail was starting to shrink up around the country, and uh, retailers weren't buying spring advertising. So our traditional lines of business uh, overnight went away. Uh, Sorry to interrupt you, but tell me a little bit about what FLS does and and what kind of your normal day-to-day would be like. uh, Our our business is about printing custom textiles. Those fabrics are typically used for, say, a a table cover at a trade show or graphics in the trade show booth. Uh, They're predominantly used at retail stores, whether it's banners or backlit light displays. Um, So we're very much driven by either uh, a trade show or maybe even the, the half marathon, the coming half marathon. We make the feather flags and advertising banners for that and, and partner with people in Door County. So um, 
those events have all been canceled <laughs> and therefore our product wasn't needed. Um, so we started, we went to our team and said, we're going to be a company that's going to try to provide some stability in your life. We have gotten through other hard things. We've gotten through 9-11. We got through the financial crisis. And FLS has always been able to navigate that um, and provide um, ongoing employment, health insurance, and all those things for our employees. And so we really were committed to making that happen. Um, the first week was okay. The second week was people going, hey, what are we doing and where are we going? And, um, and this is while we were trying to figure out how could we contribute. And out of that came a couple of ideas. Um, one, we recognized the need for PPE and we turned to our staff in Asia and we had been working with them on bringing in N95 respirators and KN95 masks. And we went back into that supply chain that we know well and how to do the importing. And we've actually been able to secure orders and bring in N95 respirators and distribute them to places in the country that needed them. Um, as well as KN95 masks um, that can be used on the front line of healthcare. Um, wow. Next up was what are we going to do with the employees? Because great, we're we're we're, we're leveraging something the business does, but it wasn't providing a sense of accomplishment for for our employees. So we started looking at other PPE that needed to be made, and we landed on gowns. Uh, gowns initially because. They can be made out of specialty fabrics, and we know how to cut and sew and do those things. And as we allow this to evolve, we actually turn to another one of our vendors who makes a, a plastic film that we will frequently use in their disposable table cover. You might know them from like a party store. You can go and get them with a graphic or in colors for Halloween or whatever it may be. One of the largest uh, manufacturers of that product is actually located here in Wisconsin, and, and we've done partnerships with each other for years. Uh, we reached back to them. Their business was dried up, and we said, um, you have raw material. We're going to figure out how to convert it and turn it into something. And we did that. We went, and we are in the process of and have learned how to make disposable isolation gowns. Uh, so we are manufacturing a level one isolation gown. We're working with the FDA now so we can get the gown certified for level two. Um but that in of itself turned into something where we started bidding on projects and were just not big enough to make a dent in New York or Washington, where they needed hundreds of thousands of units. But hmm. it turns out that our, that our own state um, was in need because the traditional supply chains have broken down. And we've all heard these stories about how what's really happening is these products are going out to wholesale, distrib wholesale markets and then to distributors. And then people are bidding each other up for the product. Mm -hmm. And we didn't like that. Um, this isn't the time or the place to, for that kind of economics to be occurring. So we actually worked from the bottom up with our state. We, we tried top down. We, I was fortunate enough to actually speak to Senator Johnson and to uh, speak to Mike Gallagher and to speak to Joel Kitchens. And as we worked the network, we realized that there's a need from the bottom up, actually the county level, because first responders and other groups, they're not eligible to pull supplies from the national stockpile. And mm -hmm. what's happened is as they've used their supplies, they haven't been able to refill from their traditional sources. And while we hear about all these crises in hospitals, 
there is also a crisis of shortage in just the people in our communities that need to be protected, police, fire, first responders. And uh, so they have turned out to be very grateful that we can provide them with isolation gowns. Um, Hmm. They are in very short supply nationally. And so we're working with the state and they're going to continue to work through the state channels uh, and we'll manufacture as much as we possibly can for our state. And if the state won't take what we're able to do, then we'll start looking back out into the other markets. You know, when Um, when you talk about the the local first responders and their needs, um, I think a lot of people would be really grasping how this all works and, and how the needs arise because you have, let's say like we have just got our first case last week, but for several weeks before that, your hospital employees and your EMS responders were already um, using much more PPE in their own line of work just to be precautious and, and make sure that they weren't getting infected and that they weren't spreading it before they knew any of that. So even though there weren't any cases, we're already using a lot more of that type of equipment just to be safe in the meantime. So you think of this as something that only matters to those places with the huge outbreaks, but every little town in America that's prepping for this is already starting to use a lot more and every hospital. I would wholeheartedly agree with you, Miles. Um, You know, we, we started with, um, the, the hospital here in Door County. And when we had N95 respirators available, we reached first back to our community. And at that point, they didn't need them, but they loved to know that we could be a source for them. Um, and they were already seeing, uh, as they had to take uh, precautions, additional ones, uh, a rise in the usage um, and in the change in the way that we were all receiving our health care. So, you know, this, this gets me to thinking that the the supply chain really, it, it, it's not working. It took me more than three weeks to really kind of, I won't say fall into this, but we were turning over every stone possible. We were registering on every website with every state that we could and saying, I think we can help in some way. And what it really turns out is, is that nobody is set up to actually go start doing business with companies they weren't already doing business with. <laughs> okay. And then trying to break into that supply chain, um, you know, we had an opportunity to go and supply gowns to the city of New York through another relationship that, that our company has and basically be a subcontractor to another vendor. Um, the logistics of that get to be extremely, extremely challenging in terms of how everybody's going to get paid and how the money's going to flow because you know, we still need to make payrolls. We need to buy raw materials. And uh, so this has really gotten my wheels turning on other things that could happen here. But the working small and back up into the chain, hey, we think it's going to be very effective. Um, uh, so you, you talk about the supply chain. Mike Gallagher brought that up as well. It's really making a lot of people reexamine where we get everything from and how nimble or not nimble we are to adjust to this crisis as we're seeing as a, on a federal level. Um and just you, you mentioned like having to flip that. You initially tried to go top down and ended up having to go bottom up. And I, that's something, a theme I'm seeing all over the place throughout this crisis is in part due to like failures of leadership at either the state or the federal level and not being able to get clear answers. So people kind of flipping it on its head. Um, maybe elaborate more on what that has meant for you. Like what was the struggle at that top down level? Just getting to the right person. Okay, you can you can speak to Senator Ron Johnson, and he graciously offered me access to his staff. And I spoke to Tony Blondo on multiple occasions 
He took my phone call. Now, you can imagine this is before the CARES Act is going through. A senator and his staff are probably inundated with requests and, and projects that they're working on. And his office took the time to say, how could we help? Maybe we can get you connected. Let's let's send your information over here. And, and it, that did happen. And they followed up. The reality is, is that the supply chain is it's not very elastic and it's definitely not dynamic. Okay, mm-hmm. trying to become listed as a new supplier in the network. I'm not a PPE supplier. I'm really not trying to be one. I we saw a need as a company on two fronts. One, we saw a need to fulfill our employees, to give them a reason to come to work every day. Okay, um, and to feel like they had some small part in making a difference, and that was really important. And Two, that we could potentially provide an impact, provide a product to people that you hear on the news every night need this stuff. Okay. Um, And it took, um, I'll put it this way, and I don't mean to be boastful. I never worked so hard to not get an order in my entire (laughs) life. Honestly, when 9-11 hit, within a week, we were doing American flags, um, as fast as we possibly could. And it didn't make a difference if I had the product, whether it was Target or ConAgra or whoever it is, they were a buyer. Okay. Hmm. There wasn't a lot of vetting. This is an entirely different scenario. Okay. And you could go and say, I'm less than the market price. I can offer you N95 respirators to going on Amazon for six to $7 and I can offer you to them for $4 and 20 cents. Okay. Which Believe me, I understand is much more than what people were paying, but uh, I've also studied that supply chain. The primary filter material that goes into those masks is called Meltblown. And three months ago, I could buy Meltblown for about $5,700 a metric ton. Hmm. Last week, the market price on that was over $57,000 a metric ton. Wow. It's a, the demand for PPE is a world market. We have a pandemic going on, and it's not just the United States, okay? We don't make enough of the raw materials. There's a reason that masks and gowns and everything are made here, because we don't make the raw materials that don't meet them in any kind of volume in this country. Mm-hmm. You know, So there is a reason that it's made in Asia, because that's where the raw material is that needs to go into this. And... That whole thing in terms of the supply chain and what has happened, and we can go on to a whole other conversation about the economics, um, but the tariff war that was initiated has not helped the situation. It's exacerbated supply chains. Sure. Companies have pared back their inventories. Okay? Yeah, and then you look and then at the pandemic hits. Right. Well, and then on top of that, you look at the how, what, how does that strain relations between countries? And then when you hit a, a crisis point how good is your relationship to deal with that crisis? And that's what we're, that was what you see right now. Um, You mentioned just trying to keep your employees doing something they're proud of. Uh, Obviously this is something that anybody who owns a business is dealing with right now is uh, how do I, how do I sustain? How do I stay afloat? Obviously there's a long-term question of what does this look like on the other side of this, whenever that is two months, four months, five months away. And then in the meantime, okay, maybe I can get this, payroll loan, but how do I, the amount of work I can do might not be there. So how do I keep my employees engaged, motivated, happy to do their jobs? Um, 
and feeling helpful while you're also in, in some, in our case, everyone's working remotely. I, I'd imagine you guys can't do that as much, but, um, what are some of those challenges and how are you addressing those beyond just trying to find this work? Like how, how much of a struggle has that been for you to, to go so, through this evolution for a couple of weeks? We are, the level of communication um, with the employees has definitely increased. Okay. Um, at first it was creating frustration because we were like, Hey, we're bidding on this project, you know, Oh, another, another, there, you know, here's a, here's another lead. And we were sharing those things. But as they weren't materializing for one reason or another, um, it started to create a level of frustration. Are we ever going to get going? And, you know, um, when when this thing finally started gaining uh, some steam at the very end of last week, when it looked like we might have a, our first break, um, I sent out a text to everybody in the company on, on Saturday afternoon saying, I think this is going to actually go. And so we're just making sure that we're, communicating. We've asked everybody for buy-in. I went back to them and said, here's our commitment to you. This is what we need from you in return. Okay. And so having that open and honest conversation, um, I, I can't promise anything to anybody that, uh, that it's, I, it's going to, it's going to work out one way or the other. What I can tell you is if we all sit down and try to move in the same direction and align our goals and our objectives, that the chances for a positive outcome are much better. Um, it's 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 pushed me. It's it's it is uh, causing me to have to grow as a leader for sure. Um, and I think that that is the challenge of any business owner is figuring out how to rise up to that. Um, do you really want to get up this morning and keep pushing ahead? Um, right now, um, I, the best thing that we can all do is stay safe. Okay, we need to protect our community. We need to do that by social distancing and staying home. And that would lead me to our company's next initiative. Um, you know, in this sourcing that we have done um, in Asia and other parts of the world, we've done a fair amount of traveling. And seeing people wear face masks when you go to other countries is a commonplace thing. Um, whether it's India, Bangladesh, Shanghai, you see people with masks on. Maybe more for pollution or other reasons, but people are commonly wearing masks in public places. Okay. And we're not talking in 95 respirators. Um, so in fact, uh, about the end of February, our staff in Asia reached out to us and said, you need masks. And I said, yeah, that's great. No, I, our government telling us you don't need masks. They're not worth it. Uh, a week later, a box of masks, enough for everybody in our company and then some, showed up here. You guys need to wear these. You don't understand. You need to start wearing masks. And that got our wheels turning. Well, uh, you know, the masks we got are typical surgical masks, weight on one side, blue on the other, the accordion mask we open up. And nobody in our company was going to wear that mask out in public. It was like having a scarlet letter on your face. Okay. <laughs> so... While we as a company said, listen, this thing's happening. We know how it's transmitted. If we're all going to agree to come to work, we're all going to agree to protect each other. So, you know, we, we had a pact in terms of social distancing and, and what we were all going to do. And if you were going to show up, you were making that obligation to me and every one of your other coworkers because we were not going to be running the business where the first company where everybody got sick. Mm-hmm. And so masks became part of our culture here. And then we said, how are we going to get it so everybody's going to want to wear a mask? 
So we went out, found some basic designs, tweaked them, and like anything that FLS does, figured out how we would make it ours and a little better. And so we now have a beautiful two-ply mask. We went with ties instead of elastic because it's much more comfortable to wear all day. We actually have mobile wire in the nose. Uh, we figured out how to manufacture those from scratch. And then we came up with a series of 60 designs. Hmm. The idea being is hopefully one of the designs would allow somebody to have some of their own self-expression in putting a mask on. We want everybody to wear, I don't care if it's a surgical mask or a bandana over your mouth or one of our masks, okay? We want everybody to be wearing one of these in public. Do it to protect the grocery store clerk, okay? Do it to protect the person that you're going to walk by going into the gas station to pay for your gas and you didn't expect them to be coming out the door. Do it to protect yourself, but also do it to protect others, Okay. And so now we're in, in, in the phase of uh, offering people, you want to do custom, we'll work with you to do custom. Uh, we would like to reach out to the Door County Arts community. All of the artists right now that are doing their part by staying home, um, we would like to make a call to arms to you. Help us design a mask and we will sell that mask and we will give a portion of the proceeds back to the Door County Care Foundation. Okay, we'll turn your hard efforts. So while you might not be able to go out and do something immediately, there is something you can do to impact your community, and we would like to be part of it. Um, we are good at manufacturing commodity items and getting them into people's hands. Okay, we wouldn't call ourselves the world's greatest designers. Um, <laughs> that isn't yeah, okay, but Door County is full of people that are extremely dynamic and creative and artistic. Okay, so let's partner. Let us bring the manufacturing engine to, to, to the table. Let's, bring, let's combine it with your creativity and your network of followers and people, and let's get everybody to wear a mask. Okay, it's another way we can all protect our community. And in the process, we can go raise some funds so the less fortunate in our community have a place to turn to for support. Um, so that is something else that we're working on. Uh, we're now working on lower cost versions of that mask so we can get them into the hands of all of the, uh, first responders in their county, including the sheriff's department and the police department. Um, and then we're working with, uh, uh, like Culver's and a few other chains that have a vast number of employees out there. So they can feel good about wearing a mask and then communicate a message back, an uplifting message back to the people that are coming to their establishments. Sure. Um, and that makes so, it a lot easier for, for people. And I think what I've read about the, the way they wear these in Asian um, countries is one of the reasons that they kind of, it's socially accessible, acceptable so that when someone does feel sick, so many people wear these that they don't, they don't stick out. It doesn't create the stigma of like, that's the sick person. Um, so by more people creating sort of like that herd mentality on it, um, it just helps re relieve a little bit of that stigma too, for people who are concerned. Um, sounds like a great, great idea. And I, I love the idea of getting the artists involved and doing some things unique to Door County or unique to businesses that could be, and, and like, tra like you said, trying, a, a pr putting some pers personality into it or having a positive message makes it easier to have your employees wear that in a customer facing way without exactly. making people feel awkward. Yeah. And uh, 
So we're 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 prepared to throw our resources behind it. You know, you would ask me about challenges for business owners. Um, we look at all of this stuff and go, I, I long for the days that I can back, get back to the things that I'm really good at. Um, <laughs> right now, I wouldn't say that I could sustain my business forever doing what I'm doing, but it was more important to take care of the community and our employees. We wouldn't have a business if I, if I don't have employees. Okay. I can't go do this by myself every day. I say that all the time. We have no uh, Aaron Rodgers on the FLST. Okay. Um, it literally takes every one of us showing up every day to put forth an effort to achieve something. And uh, to that end, um, right now we're focused on, we're fortunate that we can be open. We're fortunate that we, our ingenuity took us in a direction where we can contribute. And uh, we're going to continue to try to do our part. Um, uh, you know, there, there, if this continues to go this way, I, the other positive thing that we might be able to say is we may actually be a net employer and having to bring staff on to continue this mission. Um, we're very close to that. And we're also considering a community outreach program where we would supply the materials. And while people are all at home, if they wanted to, they could contribute to um, uh, sewing up the masks. And those can be given back to the Door County Community Foundation or to other organizations that need masks and the people that couldn't necessarily afford them. So we're trying to look for other ways where we can be part of the community, take our know-how, and leverage it with the help of the average person in Surgeon Bay and the rest of Door County. Well, Kane, thanks so much for what you're doing, and thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Um, and uh, hopefully we get to talk again soon about something not related to this crisis. Thanks, Miles. I appreciate your time. It was a real pleasure. Have a good afternoon. You too. Bye. Willie, you want to be on the podcast?